opportunity, I was able to participate in a pulpit exchange where on St. Simon's, I actually was able to go eight weeks and serve in England as a pastor. And that pastor came and served at Wesley at Frederica on St. Simon's Island. Now we call it a, a pond, but I might as, might as well have been around the globe because when I got there, there were some cultural things and linguistic things I had to work through. I mean, for example, I always thought a boot was something you wore on your foot. It's a trunk on a car. And I always thought tea was a beverage that you put sugar in, you drink in the middle of the day. It's the meal, the supper, the dinner. It's tea time toward the end of the day, around the table with everyone. What was really interesting was driving. <laughs> Their cars have the steering wheel, Charles, on the wrong side. And that meant that I was shifting, because they're all manual shifts, a stick shift on my left side. And so my world was turned upside down. And we had our kids with us, and we were in a nice rental car. Uh, and uh, one of them yelled from the back, Daddy, I think you just hit a sign. <laughs> and part of that was because of the, the spatial distance and my inability to, to figure all that in. But something that was really strange for me was having the steering wheel on the right, the stick shift on the left, and then going into a major roundabout. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say, I think a few folks were converted for Christ. I think, <laughs> John, I think I heard the name of the Lord used by passengers who <laughs> It was a strange intersection. But you know, that was in the United Kingdom. But you've encountered strange and uncomfortable intersections. Our lives converge in such ways that we are thrown into unfamiliar places. Let us pray. God, we thank you that you are still at work in our lives. You are growing us, you are stretching us, and you are calling us to places we're not used to. So we ask for your blessing. As you have anointed this service of worship, we ask your spirit will speak to our hearts. Help us not to think that this message is for the person next to us. But let us listen. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together be acceptable unto you. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Well, we've been talking about intersections. In fact, we're, we're in the middle of a three Sunday message series entitled Intersections. And last week we talked about your circle of influence and those familiar intersections where you are with family and friends, neighbors, 
associates and how you can offer Christ to them simply by being present in their lives, by serving them and telling your story. Next week, I want you to find your place in worship because we're going to do something very, very special during worship. And we're going to be talking about this intersection, the corner of Bass and Forsyth. So our focus will be on that intersection. But today I want to talk about uncomfortable intersections. And commonly, you and I enter into places with people where there is pain. Moments of loss, death, divorce, unemployment, and even homelessness. And while it may seem awkward and strange as we enter into these encounters, there's something good deep down inside of all of us, I believe. Each one of us hungers for a better world. And we yearn to know how we can play a part in making it better. I believe that's part of who we are as a follower of Christ. And so what makes an intersection uncomfortable? Well, you have your message notes. I invite you to follow along. One of the reasons we struggle with these uncomfortable encounters is because of the busyness that is mixed together with an inward focus. Some might call it selfishness in simple terms. Our lifestyle and our pace at which we live our lives, well, we see interruptions as inconvenient. And we really don't want to be interrupted from our agenda. And yet we see time after time, Jesus stops for the person in need while the disciples like us want to move on to the next thing. We have things to pursue, goals to reach, other people to see. And yet Jesus would say, let's, let's live into this moment. And let's be fully present with this person in need. We are so busy. One person said to me, Tim, we live our lives in this culture. Well, we live our lives like it's one big emergency. We can miss the important things that we need to respond to. And so one of the reasons why these convergent moments where there may be someone in need are uncomfortable for us. It's because they're simply inconvenient. They're an interruption. And then there's the whole notion of unfamiliar. There's an anxiousness to which we enter into something and we really don't know it well. There's a fear of the unknown. If you've never been around death, the actual presence of a body can be awkward. If you don't know what it means to be poor, being around people with little can be unsettling. can almost feel threatening to us. So if we choose to move toward the pain of others, that rather than around it, we really are walking 
the way of Jesus. Maybe you've heard the story uh, about um, Cameron Halper. Uh, Cameron was a 20-year-old film student in New York. He was a student at Harvard. And one day, in his commute, on his way back uh, from a destination, his brain malfunctioned. He went into a seizure. He had not really had a lot of history with this, and he fell into the cavernous uh, uh, opening there where the subway train comes by. And he was laying up against the rail, and his body was moving and contorting, and, and while there's no film of this, we know it's documented. And I would suspect that there would be some people like me who would say, you know, I, I'm too busy to concern myself with this. And then there might be others uh, like me who say, gosh, I, I don't know what to do, so I'm going to do nothing. And so what we find is that this white Harvard student lying in a dangerous spot. His life could come to an end. Well, there was a man, an African-American man, 50 years old, construction worker, Wesley Altry. And he jumped off of that high curve. He rolled the young fella to the center of the rails. He covered his body over top of that young man until the train passed by. Now we do have the documentation of the interview. And later when he was interviewed, the rescuer, Altry, Altry said, uh, I saw that the number one train appeared and I acted with adrenaline. I, I don't feel like I did anything spectacular. I just saw someone who needed help. And I did what I felt was right. You're supposed to come to people's rescue, aren't you? Isn't that interesting? Socioeconomic lines were crossed. Racial lines were crossed. What could have been an uncomfortable, and I'm sure to a certain extent it was, intersection became a beautiful event. We find, as J.C. read for us, one of the parables of Jesus. And it's, it's interesting, isn't it, how the parables of Jesus are embedded in our culture, even with those who biblically have very little knowledge of what's in Scripture. In fact, we use them as euphemisms and lines in our conversation. We heard in the prayer J.C. saying, and I thank you, for that one who was a good Samaritan for me. And so these timeless stories still mean so much to us. And what we have here is a conversation that flows out of the life of a lawyer, J.C., of all people, an attorney. And in that day, an attorney or a lawyer was the same thing as a theologian because the Torah, what we know as the first five books of the Bible, was the law of the Jewish people. And so 
He's raising a good question. Rabbi, teacher, what must I do? What must one do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus does a wonderful job of simplifying the law for an attorney. And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, and your might. And love your neighbor as yourself. Well, this lawyer wouldn't stop there. He said, well then, who would my neighbor be? And Jesus, in a powerful way, through the power of story, genius teacher says, oh, there was one who had been robbed and beaten and left half dead. And a religious leader, a priest came by, did not want to be interrupted and kept going. And then another religious one, a Levite came by and he too, like the first one, went around this one who was wounded and in need of care. And then Jesus, in his story, does something radical here. He shows the racial lines. He says, a Samaritan. A Samaritan. That's kind of the dramatic side of the story. One who would be considered an outcast, as we talked about with the Samaritan woman last week. <coughs> one that was considered a half-breed. One that was looked upon with contempt would step into the ditch from the road that leads from Jericho to Jerusalem. And he bandaged this, this one. He places him on his animal and takes him to an end to ensure that he is cared for. And Jesus makes clear who the neighbor is. This story for me raises a number of attitudes and, and it brings to light, shines a light on, on some of the things that, that Jesus was getting at. And, and if you look at the characters, it's interesting. There's the robber. And the robber's mentality and attitude is what is yours, what is yours, is mine. And I'm taking it. The religious leader says, what is mine is mine, and I'm keeping it. The Samaritan says, what is mine is yours as well, and I'm sharing it. That's the neighbor mentality. That's the follower of Christ's attitude toward those where there's an uncomfortable intersection that we're passing through. And there are principles that surface from this text. And one of those, is in terms of loving our neighbor, is the lack of love is often easy to justify. Our neighbor is anyone of any race, creed, or social background who is in need. 
And love means acting to meet a person's need. Wherever we live, there are needy people close by. And so in a powerful way, this story wraps itself around our lives in terms of what does it mean to be a neighbor? What does it mean to enter into those inconvenient moments, into those unfamiliar settings, and really be a light for Christ? Look with me at your message notes, because I think there are a couple of things that, that are addressed in terms of how we move through an uncomfortable, uncomfortable intersection. And one of those is to seize the opportunity. The Good Samaritan in this story helps us with that. Look at the scripture. A Samaritan who was on a journey came to where the man was, showed up in his life. But when he saw him, get this, he was moved with compassion and the Samaritan went to him and bandaged him and tended to him with oil and wine and placed him on his donkey and took him to an inn so that they could take care of him. He seized the opportunity. He stepped in to that window of ministry even as it inconvenienced him, even as it was unfamiliar even though it was diametrically opposed to what was culturally acceptable. Carolyn Bradley recently was interviewed by our associate pastor, Anthony McPhail, related to ministry and her call upon her life to, to do something for uh, dementia and Alzheimer's, that, that community. And you may have seen it in the newsletter. It was well done. And in that article, in that dialogical article, the question was asked of Carolyn Brandon, one of our very own members here. Uh, why do we serve? Why would we serve? Why do you serve? And she came back with this, and I think it's quotable. We are all God's children. We are supposed to be there for each other in the right way. And who knows, we could be in the same situation. We're only a finger snap away from being in a similar situation. How true that is. Last week, we had something that took us by surprise. Cherie Rao was seated over here, right in front of the sound booth. She, as John mentioned, had been 50 weeks in a row, had surgery, and she had missed some Sundays, but she was back, and her sisters were there. Deborah Chavez is a sister. And one of the sisters said, John, will you pray for her? She's not feeling well. And, and John prayed for her. And she went through the entire service, and some could tell she was not feeling well, and so they were getting her to the car. And somebody asked me, they said, would you pray with her? And I said, yeah, I'll pray with her. And so we prayed. I went back inside. This is right after the 11 o'clock service. And somebody said only part of the information. Someone has fallen. Or she had coded. And I am so proud of this church because 
Ken Fortuna, a first responder trained, quickly began to administer care. Emma McPhail quickly joined me. There were those of you who were here at that time in that service who began to minister to the family. We went to the emergency room and the doctor said, there's nothing that could have been done. She has died. Tuesday night, we had her service in the sanctuary. And many from this church showed up. Now, we were taken by surprise. And for many of us, it was an uncomfortable intersection with life and death. And yet this church showed great compassion. So Carolyn's right. Life is short. We don't know what's right around the corner. And so God calls us to be faithful to all that we encounter. Jesus helps us with this parable in that we see this. Look at this. There was a sacrifice in terms of the resources. How does one move through an uncomfortable intersection? One is to seize the opportunity to know that the Spirit is with us and we can engage in that moment with that person and just being there is part of the miracle, the big part of the miracle. But the other piece to this is the recognition that there is a sacrifice. And it's not always financial. Sometimes God calls upon us to step into those uncomfortable intersections and give expecting nothing in return financially. But I want to suggest to you what may be even harder is the emotional toll. Look with me at the scripture. Verse 35, the next day he took two full days worth of wages. That was a sacrifice. He gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him and when I return I will pay you back for any additional cost. Now that's putting it on the line. That's really showing compassion. A sacrifice in terms of resources, but a sacrifice in terms of taking the time to ensure the right kind of care is given. You know, Jesus is so honest in this parable about expensive compassion. People often talk sentimentally or idealistically about compassion, but getting close to those who are hurting almost always costs us emotionally. Working with other people in their wounds invariably gets very messy. <clears throat> Investing in people in their pain will knock us off our normal schedule, will take things from us that may be important to us, Compassion will inconvenience us. Sometimes we get entangled in care that may last a long time and it ends up denying some of the things that we hold 
is valuable. But that's part of the sacrifice. That's the way of walking with Jesus. And the ditch from Jerusalem to Jericho is a long way. And there are a lot of people in it. And it's natural for us to want to lean into our own limitations. It's, it's a natural kind of inclination for us. It's almost instinctive that we, we say, you know, I don't know that I can serve. I don't know that I have the time to serve. I don't know that I have the resources to serve. And so then we, we, we circumvent, we go around. So this morning, what we're asking is that God would give us the power and the grace to overcome all of those excuses. And to love more deeply. To have a love that overcomes limits. And you see, in a wonderful way, Jesus tells us a story, the Good Samaritan. And the power of parable is we find ourselves in the story. But when he tells a parable, we discover that we find him in the story as well. For he is our cosmic good Samaritan. Think about that a minute. He left what was comfortable in terms of a setting. He couldn't stand the distance. He did not want to circumvent a broken and wounded world. And just like that African American that covered up that younger white man, he covered us with his blood. He went to all lengths. He would not let blood stand in the way of redeeming us. That's the kind of love that enters into uncomfortable intersections. That's the kind of redemptive love that changes the world. And may it be lived out through this church, through each of us, no matter how inconvenient, unfamiliar, may God give us the courage to serve as he serves. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy